for UHF and VHF, it's considered line of sight, right? Um, as far as you can see, that's generally how far the, the signal can go. And elevation is your friend. If I'm downtown in Dallas and I'm, tr I'm on the ground floor trying to talk to my wife, you know, 18 miles north, I'm not going to be able to, hit, to get to her with just this. What is up, everybody? I have Jim to my right. Now, Jim, people often say communication is key, and I believe that to be true. And to help us unpack that truth, we have Mr. Alex Nightingale across from us right now, and we're going to talk all about comms, communication, modern communication, and uh, all that entails because there's a lot to it. You were just talking to Mike down at Vortex Edge, and it sounds like he was kind of dazzling your mind with all sorts of communication fun facts. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, when we first got into reloading and some of the other things that we've gotten into the first for the first time over the course of this podcast. I said, Mike, can you at least get, I'm about to talk to this guy, Alex, he's going to tell us all about radios and things, just give me a base to go off of. And in five minutes, I was already lost. So I just, that's why I know this is going to be pretty good. Alex has discussed kind of us giving us a bit of a Radio 101 here. So I feel like that's a good way to start. And then later on, for the folks out there who really want to maybe get into some of the more like mega fine detail, maybe that's a follow-up episode. You just have to let us know. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit possible deeper dive down. But, you know, Alex, and we're going to let you talk here at some point, but even in our little precast conversation, you're like, oh, I'm going to keep this high level 101. But even the stuff that you're saying, it might be like 101 to you, but it sounded like really, really cool stuff. So I'm <laughs> pumped about it. So Alex, without further ado, give us a little uh, a rundown, a brief intro, who you are, what you got going on, how you got into comms and, and passionate about that and interested in it. And uh, we'll, we'll dive in. Sure. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I got into radios about um, eight years ago. Uh, my father-in-law was a ham guy. He gifted me um, some little handheld Baofeng radios. And uh, like most people, uh, I put them in my closet, didn't really touch them. And uh, it was about 2015 at the time. There was some um, uh, unrest in the city I was living in at the time. And I suddenly realized like, I couldn't rely on you know, Twitter alone to, f you know, to see what was going on on the ground. Um, and I you know, busted those little radios out of the closet and learned how to program them. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a journey ever since then, you know, it was about eight years ago now. And since then it's just grown to other types of radios and exploring different bands and testing out new, uh, radios and different applications. So I'm, I'm not an expert in everything. Um, I'm learning and, you know, I just, I'm really passionate about this topic, but very excited to be here and answer some one-on-one -on -one questions. Heck yeah. What are, uh, I mean, right off the bat, because a lot of people, when I say a lot of people, I mean almost everybody nowadays, especially if you're somebody listening to a podcast right now, I can almost guarantee it. They got cell phones. Uh, my parents still have a landline. They may be the only ones left. Um, and you have internet types of communication, you know, and, and, and type form, digital stuff, text, uh, texting and all that. Um, a radio just seems like yet another thing. Why is it kind of like, uh, why is it something you should add maybe to your arsenal of communication devices? You kind of brought up one uh, example there, uh, but maybe you can even go further into that and and what sure. it is about these things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, as, as you know, gun guys and guys who are into preparedness, generally speaking, um, we like to have redundancies. We like to have backups and plans. We like to be safe and aware of our surroundings. So, We've seen throughout history um, during certain catastrophes, right? 9-11 being one example, Boston bombing, earthquakes in California. When these tragedies occur, 
what can happen sometimes is called a mass call event, right? Everybody tries to call at once. The cell tower gets overloaded. You can't make a call in or, in or out, right? Um, in the Boston bombing specifically, I think they could text, but they couldn't call, right? Hmm. That's a pretty crucial moment in time to need communications, right? So part of the reason I got into radios because I needed some alternative where, you know, if I was working downtown and my wife was uptown at her apartment, I needed to be able to communicate with her in a hurry um, if there was, you know, if there was a problem. So radios... There's lots of different types of radios, different um, analog and digital and everything in between. Um, it's very old technology. It's been around for, you know, 100 years, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's reliable and it's, it's not dependent on a cell network, right? So if you uh, had an alternative or a backup or, you know, some kind of, um, you know, some way to supplement your current communication tools, you know, outside of Instagram DMs and things like that, mm. um, it's, a, it's a really valuable preparation tool. Do you EDC? Some type of radio, I, basically. I t- <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I mean, in my in my truck, I always have I have a permanent radio installed. I have multiple radios in my vehicle. Um, I typically will have a small radio um, in a backpack or something with me. Um, same way I, you know, EDC a, a med kit and a gun and everything else. You know, you want to be prepared for any kind of situation. Um, I actually have a radio right here that I brought, and I'll show you. I've got two examples of radios here. Um, one is a smaller Chinese-made Baofeng radio. The other is a Yaesu radio. Um, and we'll talk about some of the differences between these two later on, but, you know, there are so many form factors, right? Um, handheld, you know, dual band is what we call these radios, UHF, VHF radios, very, very common. Um, they range in price points, very, very cheap to a little bit more expensive, but, you know, any combination of antennas and battery packs can really kind of, you can build something that suits your needs. Hmm. Um, this radio in particular, uh, very, very cheap. Probably not the most reliable radio, right? It's, a, it's definitely on the, on the cheap side of things. But this small stubby antenna is great for a backpack, right? Mm-hmm. This longer antenna, this whip, um, is actually one of my favorite antennas from Signal Stick, a company out of Utah. But it will bend over itself and it will never... Um, it, it's, all, it's made of essentially a piano wire type material. Um, so you can fold it up and bend it, but you'll get great performance out of it. Much better than this one. Um, but yeah, I typically have one or two of these or, or uh, more somewhere with me when we're traveling on the road, road trips, going to work, et cetera, just as a, as a backup. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Now, what makes exactly, uh, what makes a cheaper radio and what makes a really nice, more expensive radio? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, this radio right here, the Baofeng, um, has a, has a, a reputation. A lot of people bought these a couple of years ago when the FCC was, was going to ban them. Um, and the number one way to make gun guys buy things is to tell them that you're going to ban them. So, <laughs> so everybody rushed out and bought these because they thought they were going away. They were like unlocked, right? Is, was yeah, that like the basically. term like jailbroken with yep. your iPhones yeah. back in the day? So that was my question. Like, why were they going to, like, it seems like a pretty simple, mm-hmm. long-standing form of communication. Like, yeah, what was what was the problem there? Yeah, it's, it's really, it, it really came down to the FCC. And it's probably not the reason you think. Yes, it is an open radio, and people were just kind of like using them for whatever. Um, but it was technically a, a, a messaging marketing concern. They were being marketed as walkie-talkies when really they were not intended to be walkie-talkies legally. That was mm. the beef that the FCC had with them. So when they changed the, when they stopped selling them as walkie-talkies and said, this is just a radio, kind of the, the heat died down and they were able to, to keep selling them. But um, in particular with this little radio right here, that was kind of the the on-ramp for me. A lot of people bought them, put them in their closets like I did, didn't touch them, broke them out a couple of years later and went, I have no idea how to use this thing. I don't know how to set it up. I don't know how to use it. What, yeah. what frequency do I transmit on? Can I transmit on a frequency? They really didn't know anything. And it was this, 
I, I've started helping friends learning about, you know, here's where you, here's the programming, here's the cable, here's how, you know, this is what you should and shouldn't do just to be, you know, be respectful of the bands and, and, you know, other radio operators out there. And, uh, from there, it just kind of, just kind of snowballed. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm not an expert in all things, but, um, it just, it was an on-ramp and it kind of being in the right place at the right time, people started asking questions. And then I started helping people, you know, study and give them resources. I started writing blogs, um, helping them program and get their radio set up so they could start listening and kind of learning radio etiquette. Um, and then eventually I started, you know, building emergency radios and boxes and things like that. So it's just been, yeah, it's been a, a passion point for me and lots of people just really got into it right time, right place. Um, bit of a, a movement of sorts, the mm-hmm. same way a couple of years ago, gun guys started carrying IFACs and tourniquets and there was this medical movement, right? Everybody got smart. You know, if we're making holes, we need to plug holes. And radios was kind of that next chapter. Right. Everyone was like, hey, if we're out shooting hunting hogs in Texas like I do and we're in the dark and we're split up, we got to be able to talk to each other, right? So it made logical sense. You shoot, move, you communicate. It was yeah. that, that final part. How about that? Okay. Um, can you, What is the... You're talking about programming, and, and literally my only experience, Mark, I don't know about you, my only experience with radios and stuff is walkie-talkies. Like, I had ones as a kid, and there was 12 numbers. I don't know if they were channels, if they were frequencies, or what, probably, you know, and you could you could select 1 through 12, and if as long as your buddy had the same type of walkie-talkie, yeah. and he was on the same one, you could talk to each other. But And so, I, I mean, I, they just came out of the box that way. I stuck batteries in them, and boom. Well, I mean, you really hit on... My what my question was like what's like what is the difference or the definition of like a walkie-talkie versus a radio? Because like I was kind of mentally like I look at this and I'm like, well, it seems interchangeable. Yeah. Like, but apparently it's not. Yeah, I mean, it it really the form factor might look similar, mm-hmm. but um, what really distinguishes them and sets them up is what we call the 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 band plan, right? So the FCC says here's a wide range here's a here's the electromagnetic spectrum, right, in megahertz. Here's, uh, you know, certain frequencies are good for certain applications. Here's the air band. Here's like, you know, for airplane communication. Okay. Here's the military can use this part of the band. We can reserve this part of the band for like Wi-Fi and routers and things like that. So mm-hmm. there's, they, they try to organize it so people don't interfere with each other, basically. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like, is, is and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's not like one frequency is like better than the other. It's just that like you have your neighborhood, so to speak, that if you're doing yeah. a certain application, you can operate within. They have different properties. So we'll oh. talk about, you know, okay. HF, right? High frequency is a very long, very big wave. Um, you're talking 15 meters, 40 meters, like that's the size of the wave coming out of that that transceiver. Um, different wavelengths have different properties, right? So HF is great if, you know, I want to send a really long wave that's big enough to bounce off the ionosphere and hit Japan, and I can make a contact with someone via radio directly, right? That's what HF is great for. Um, UHF and VHF, which is what a lot of these little handhelds are, we call that dual band because um, they're typically 2 meters and 70 centimeters, that references roughly the size of that wave. Hmm. So 70 centimeter, that band, which is about 440 uh, kilohertz, um, is, a, is a really small wave, but it's better in suburban environments for penetrating things like buildings and trees and, and the terrain. So in, you know, in most cities, you can look up your list of local ham repeaters, plug in that frequency and start listening. Um, it's better suited for that dense urban environment because of all the obstacles. Two meter is also popular um, in cities, and like most most cities in America have a bunch of repeaters in both two meters and seventy centimeters. But typically, that seventy centimeter band has 
slightly better properties and with you know trees and terrain and, and stuff like that. So to go back to your question, walkie talkies live most of them in a little narrow part of that band called FRS, Family Radio Service. And they reserve this little batch of frequencies for things like baby monitors and security alarms and you know remote control cars, right? The FCC has said put all that stuff right here together so it's not gonna interfere with, you know, radios or satellite TVs or anything like that, Wi-Fi routers, blah, blah, blah. And what we'll do is if you get a walkie-talkie from Walmart, like a cheap one in a blister pack, um, it's programmed just for that little narrow band. The FCC has said, knock yourself out, right? As long as it's within this power limit, the device itself is approved. Go do as you please, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you get to the amateur bands, which is not in that FRS range, um, then you you know you want to you, you need a call sign. There's other ways to identify yourself. It's a broader spectrum. There's more applications, things you can do because it's a wider set of frequencies. Um, but if if you were looking to kind of put on the training wheels for radios and like get something today that you and your buddies could use uh, out hunting, FRS is fine. It's very low power. It's very like my son has a Pikachu radio that's on FRS. Right, that's kind of what it's Heck used for. Yeah. There's some others out there that are growing in popularity, um, particularly uh, GMRS is a big one right now. Um, I, I do a lot of off-roading and you know into that kind of stuff. And previously, CB radio was the standard there, and now GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service, is growing because you know for thirty bucks you can get a ten-year license and all your family members can use it. So it's a more you know it's a it's better suited, I think, in some ways than what CB could do. Um, you know, you see a lot of brands like Midland and things like that. Um, and it's for for $30, you can jump right in. You get a call sign. There's no test. There's a much lower barrier to entry. And people can learn, you know, basic radio stuff. We don't want to be like diehard radio guys and start communicating with their friends. Okay. But you have to get... So some of these you have to get a license for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do I go... To the license branch, the I mean, what? How yeah. does that, how does one acquire that? Yep. And then, yeah, the, like, do the, they hand you the call sign, or can you go and like pick it out, and then of course make yeah. something like hilarious? Yeah, there's like a DMV for radios. Like, what's going <laughs> on? Yeah, there? it's it's all online. Um, in true government fashion, the FCC website is not great. Um, it's very <laughs> right. slow, and it it's kind of like e-forms from the ATF. It's just it's not very polished. The user experience is not great. Um, but you get in there, put in your name, your address, things like that. You hit submit, and then a couple of days later, they give you a call sign, and they say, you know, here you go. You can get on GMRS. Um, well, they give it to you. Yes, they issue that call sign to you. Yeah. All right. Well, darn. So, it's, it's, I mean, it's, there's no test. It's, it's very easy. Anybody can do it and just, you know, get on and then have access to, to GMRS stuff and have more freedom. But if you don't really want to even get to that point, there's another band similar uh, to FRS called MERS, M-U-R-S. And this was previously reserved for businesses. And this is essentially a souped-up walkie-talkie, right? FRS is like half a watt. It's, it's very, very low power. Um, GMRS can, oh, sorry, uh, MERS, M-U-R-S, can do five watts usually out of the box. Hmm. Um, and a lot of like, I've seen videos of couriers in New York who use them, and it'll, it'll cover multiple city blocks in New York. Um, my buddies that I shoot with in Texas, when we're out hog hunting and, you know, we... It's so hot in Texas, we shoot under night vision all the time. Like, when the sun goes down, that's when we can finally emerge and, you know, hit the range. And they're not radio guys. Um, I've been trying to teach them and help them and, you know, like, encourage them. They're coming along slowly. But MERS is great for them because they can buy the radio. It's ready to go out of the box. It's got four channels. We pick one of them, and we can talk all night, right, mm-hmm. through our headsets under night vision. Most of the time, we're just communicating with someone downrange who's adjusting targets, you know, keeping everyone safe. Mm. 
um, I'd say a good portion of it is just like, we just trash talk each other and, you know, do what friends do and try to decide where you're going to eat after the, the range. So it's, it's just, <laughs> it's simple talk, right? It's, it's not sensitive communications. It doesn't need to be encrypted. It's not, you know, we don't care if someone overhears us. And that's what you have to accept about a lot of these, these analog, um, these bands, FRS, GMRS, MERS, none of it's going to be encrypted. Ham is not going to be encrypted. Only when you get to the business bands and something called DMR or like P25 is what a lot of departments use now as well. Only then do you really get the ability to do that. So hmm. understand your application, your needs. You know, a tactical application is very different than a hunting application or an emergency response application. Two totally different needs. In emergency response, you want everyone to hear you. You want to be connected. You want to get information out there to protect the public and people around you. In a tactical application, you want privacy and you don't want to be heard and you want to keep that, you know, that sensitive mm -hmm. information protected. So it's really understanding what do you want to do and then saying what radios and what bands out there are, are right for me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah you, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, when people are like, oh, what scope should I get? It's like, well, how do you, you want to do it? Yeah. How do you intend to use it? Yeah. I was going to, I do. It's funny. Like you're talking about, and I know like I, I even have some radios that I've read some of these things. Like I've got like, uh, I think it's like a Garmin Rhino 650T, right? And we use it for hunting. It's a GPS slash radio. My dad and my brother and I hunt together, and it's like, oh, yeah, turn it to, you know, channel, you know, whatever. I'm, this is out of the blue, like 5.1. We're going to be on 5.1 or whatever. I don't even know what, you know, like you said, is it FRS, GMRS, MRS? Like, I think it's, I think that radio might have all three. I don't know what, what which one we're on yeah. when I'm using that. Maybe I should. Maybe I need a <laughs> license. Well, because you can maybe. Brian, cut this out. Because you could possibly, we discussed this before, possibly get your wrist slapped or something or get in trouble for not being on the correct. And especially if you have one of those old, like, quote, unlocked radios where you can just kind of dial to whatever, you might be not where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, it can in theory. Um, I think there's a lot of, like, fear of the FCC that's maybe unwarranted. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, I'm obviously, you know, would encourage people to be smart, know the rules, govern yourselves. We're all adults. Um, I think the fear of the FCC is a little bit exaggerated sometimes. Um, if you were transmitting on a band you weren't supposed to be for a long time at a high power, someone might pick that up and say, you know, what are you doing? You're bugging me. You shouldn't be on this band. Move somewhere else. That's typically what happens. Um, the FCC actually has what they call notices of all the fines they give people. I have never seen an individual get a fine. Hmm. Um, typically, it's businesses like illegal FM radio stations transmitting at like 10,000 watts, like really big stuff. Businesses, schools, you know, using a frequency that they didn't reserve and, you know, they didn't switch when they were told to. It's that kind of stuff that typically gets a fine. An individual using one of these who like accidentally goes on the wrong band and is talking to their buddy down the street, it's... It, you're probably not going to have any issues there. You know, obviously be smart, learn where you're supposed to be so you can, you know, not be interrupted or, or cause any, you know, problems with other people. But I, I, I don't think a black suburban is going to pull up outside your house with a directional antenna and like arrest you and like, you know, haul you off to jail because you, <laughs> you know, use the wrong radio on the wrong frequency one time. Right. So with, with that being said, you know, like I said, learn about your application, figure out what you want to do, figure out where you should be, uh, et cetera. Um, if you need a license, you know, go through that process and get that. And then that opens up and you can, you know, experiment and learn and keep progressing in your radio journey. Um, one thing I will say on the topic of these before I forget, um, these are very, very popular radios. Um, and I kind of have a, a, a love hate relationship with them. This is the um, Baofeng, right? Over yeah. Here? It's, it's kind of, it's, it's infamous. It's kind of, it's got a reputation, both good and bad. 
Um, like I said, great because it's a low barrier to entry. Um, anybody can pick one of these up for 25 bucks and start listening and learning and just get curious and start experimenting. Um, so on the on the plus side, it's a $25 radio. On the negative side, the con side, it's a $25 radio, right? <laughs> it's it's going to be bare minimum quality. It's not going to be very durable. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel the same way about these radios like I do. Um, I don't know if we can mention firearm brands here, but like, the Smith & Wesson M&P 15, right? A good budget-oriented rifle. That's got a lot of people into shooting. Yeah. It's got a lot of people who previously just had deer rifles to buy their first black rifle, to buy an AR pattern gun, get excited about it, you know, get more supportive of gun rights and more protective of the Second Amendment. It's, it's, it's done a lot of good, right? I, I feel the same way about um, Palmetto State Armory, right? At one point had $300 rifles. Like, more rifles in more people's hands, that's a, that's a fantastic thing. Is it the best quality? It's, it's definitely on the budget side of things, right? Is it a rifle I would trust my life to? Probably not. I'd choose something else, right? But if more people have them in more people's hands and they just get interested and enter the category, enter the community and start learning, I think that's a really good thing. Well, that's also better than the one you didn't have. Exactly. You know, if it was, if it was the only gun I had, yeah. I'd make it work, right? I've but, rarely run into anything where I've spent incredibly less than another option and like incredibly less right. and i'm like oh it's just as good <laughs> like i just said almost never had there's a reason why and it's not always a bad reason why but there's a reason why certain things cost less and certain things cost a lot more yeah uh but yeah so so when people ask me what radio should i get should i get this radio if that's all your budget allows and you're just curious and you want to get started i'm not going to criticize you for that go buy it learn it start listening you know Start studying, get your ham ticket, get into amateur radio if that's what really you know tickles your fancy. Um, but if you can wait a little bit longer, save up. Um, Yesu has some great radios at like the hundred and twenty dollar price point. Um, you know, two, three hundred. Like, there's a lot of premium radios. Buy the best radio you can afford, um, and ask yourself, you know, if this is a life saving tool, just like my medical kit or my daily carry gun, do I want to trust my life to a twenty five dollar radio sure. at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. So, if you buy one, great. Buy other things, diversify, have different options, understand its limitations. It's not waterproof. Um, it's got a screen that lights up, not good for being hidden, you know, tactical applications. This is the wrong radio for you, right? It has a light that flashes at the top and an alarm that goes off. And like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really suited for that kind of, that kind of use. Um, good to know. Would I take this over no radio in like a life or death situation? Sure. It, I could make it work, but just, just understand there are definitely pros and cons to this specific model and yeah. make. Yeah, like you said, like different tones and lights that go yeah. off, you know, like you said, a tactical application or even a hunting application. I know like my radio at times, like I probably have it on whatever, you know, and it's like, you know, it gives you like a, some sort of like, oh, somebody's calling you or you just yeah. made a transmission. <laughs> Buses, and it's yeah. like, and I'm like, no, I need you to actually to be, to be a little quiet. You've brought up... Um, like ham radio, like I said, the extent of my radio is like turn it to this channel, talk, or maybe you're on a logging road system and it says like, you know, CB4 or something like that. So it means, you know, log trucks are on channel four and, you know, that can be good information to have when a log truck mm-hmm. is barreling down the hill and it's like a, essentially a one laner, right? Um, ham radio, you're like getting into ham radio. Number one, what is ham radio? And then like, why do people like, oh, I want to get into that. That seems cool. Yep. Great question. Um, ham radio is... is I think officially called amateur radio, right? It's a, a series of bands that you can get on. There's HF, UHF, and VHF. Um, it's It's been around a very, very long time. Um, it's been closely tied in history to emergency response, right? A lot of hams are, are you know, members of, of organizations like ARIES, which is the Amateur Radio Emergency 
The Amateur Radio Emergency Service. Duh. Um, and there's also one called RACES, which is the Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service, which is tied to civil defense. So in times of emergency, they activate, and you can actually work with you know, certain military groups and coordinate communications and things like that. So, Wait, like, like, like us? You like could become you a member I? of that, yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh, and then okay. they would give you a frequency, and you would communicate with a, you know, an individual, a correspondent on the civil side of things, and you would help coordinate relief efforts, emergency response, safety, all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. So stuff you didn't even know existed, Jim. <laughs> oh, it's all floating around in the airwaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like when we had, you know, hurricanes down in Houston, things like that, they will activate those. Um, a big draw for me personally, like I said, originally was civil unrest, right? There were some riots going on. I needed to know what was going on. At the time, that local department um, in, in that large city um, was actually on analog frequency. So I could listen to dispatch and listen to the precincts and hear everything in real time. Now, fast forward down the road, now I'm living in Dallas, we get tornadoes pretty frequently. Um, and multiple times a year, we're hiding in that inner bathroom, listening to the radio, you know. And there are weather spotters that are activated for Aries in the local area. Mm. Um, and they will coordinate, you know, I need you here, north, east, west, let's get around this storm. And they will give live updates on rotations, right? Because they're trained to look for cloud movements and analyze the weather in real time. Um, and you can get information five minutes earlier than the news media is reporting it. I will have my radio on and the TV on at the same time. And when a tornado is getting really close to my house, I can hear exactly where it is. And then five minutes later, I hear it on the news. Wow. And in a situation like that, five minutes is a big deal. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, like enough, the, that's enough time to get to your bunker and you know be saved. Right? A whole neighborhood can go out in five minutes. Exactly. I mean. So that was, a, that was a big draw for me. Um, there's also a big just general rag chew social ham club kind of component to amateur radio. Um, I think ham radio has a bit of a, as a, as a branding guy, it has a bit of a perception issue. It's a lot of old guys. Um, it's a bit of an old fashioned hobby. It's a little bit old school uh, mm-hmm. in many, many ways. And a lot of people are like, it's just, you know, it's not cool. Um, thankfully I think because of radios like this, and a lot of like younger gun guys and gals who are getting smart about medical and communications all at the same time, could I think eventually change that over the next couple of years? Um, there's a lot of like guys on YouTube, um, um, great resources. Ham Radio 2.0, Jason, he's here in, in Dallas where I am. I just ran into him the other day. Um, Ham Radio Crash Course, another younger guy. He's in the tech industry in California. They have these really fun, you know, YouTube channels where you can learn about radio science and radio technology in a really fun kind of modern, modern way that isn't bland and boring. So it, I, I don't get on repeaters lately. I haven't been on many repeaters in like my local area, but ham clubs will have nets on the air where they link up and, you know, check in and talk, you know, update each other on the news and things like that. When I'm driving in the morning in traffic, I'm always scanning the repeaters to see who's talking about what. It's usually just guys chatting about what they did on the weekend and just general, you know, conversations, nothing, you know, serious or, you know, dire, important in, in nature. But, you know, sometimes you can learn about, you know, maybe a highway is shut down that morning or there's bad traffic here or mm-hmm. whatever. So it's, it's, you know, you can make it really whatever you want to make it, right? If you want to be emergency preparedness or you want to do things like soda, summit on the air, which is where they, you know, it's, it's like mountain climbing and hiking meets radios and you have to combine a battery and a radio and a pack and get to a peak and make contacts. Like there's all kinds of creative things they do in the ham world to, you know, to speak to different interests and, and cater to different, you know, needs. Um, I was a couple of years ago, just part of a, a marathon, right? We were, uh, it was a hundred mile marathon through the Sierra Nevadas in California. 
and we were at the first station 20 miles into the race and you know we had to call in and report their race times as they were coming through this checkpoint because you're up in the middle of nowhere in this mountain no cell service no wi-fi anything right. you had to do it the old school way on analog radios and call it back to base and like report their race time so marathons and events and you know public safety obviously emergencies just general socializing hanging out rag chews what they call it on the air all things that you know generally the, the ham world uh, does and does that require a license to get into ham radio? Yeah. So there's there's a couple of types of tickets or licenses. Um, the first step um, is technician, um, and you you take a little test. They list all the questions online. There's a great app from hamstudy.org. Um, it's a, I think it's like three or four bucks, but it will just quiz you until you learn all the questions. Um, then there's general, and there's a step above that. And mm-hmm. technician can do a lot of things, uh, all the way up to 10 meters. Um, general opens up HF, so you can start talking kind of around the world and, and make contacts there. And then the step above that, there's even more bands that you get access to. Okay. But some, so like you get this license or this ticket to, to be able to sort of interact with this world, mm-hmm. right? Now, I'm curious because it's not necessarily like if you get one of these radios that I, you know, have a little uh, card that I swipe in the radio, like, oh yeah, now I can do this. And the radio is like, oh, he's legit. Okay. Now I'll open this up for him. Like there's, I'm assuming maybe people who are on there and listening or talking that maybe don't have that license. Right. I mean, you can listen as much as you want. That's, that's there's nothing against listening. Absolutely not. You should okay. be listening. That's the first step that I encourage people to do. Like, Hey, how do I get into comms? Like, where do I start? Buy a radio and just start listening. Listen to how they talk online, listen on the on the air, on the net, listen to how they introduce themselves. Start like ham guys as you know, as much as we give them crap for being like kind of like the FUDs of the, the gun world, right? A little bit old school. They love talking about radios on their radio. They'll talk about a new antenna they got or a, you know, a new whatever base station or some, you know, I love this LMR four hundred coax versus this other brand because of line loss and they'll talk they'll talk shop. And you can just learn stuff listening to them as well. Um, so definitely go get a radio. Just start listening. Go online. Um, you know, Radio Reference and Repeater Book are great websites to just look up repeaters in your area. Plug in the frequency manually and just see what you hear. Hmm. Um, typically what happens if you're transmitting, you you know would announce yourself and just say your call sign at the start of that message. right? And just say, hey, this is who I am. Um, that's all FCC database stuff. They can look you up and find out your name. And there's like... Some of these ham guys like to keep a log of who they talk to because it like you know it shows their their participation in the hobby and it's like a bit of a credibility thing. Sounds to, like an audio forum. Kind of is, yeah. Like being on yeah. Reddit, but everyone's just talking. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, can you give give us like uh, like you're getting on and, and you're just like, or, or, or and then when you okay, hold on, two two part question. When you get on, let's say you're getting on the ham radio, and then. You're not necessarily calling. I guess you could be calling a specific person. You can, yeah, yep. But they have to be on at that same time. Correct. Right? Yep. Um. But other people can also listen into what you're doing. That, right? that, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's all open and public and and free to air. So anybody could. You should assume lots of people are listening. Maybe right. Transmitting that can be a little bit intimidating for people, especially newcomers who don't want to mess up or say something wrong on the air. But I've never. You know, in my early days of getting on repeaters, nobody ever criticized me. They just yeah. said, oh, hey, you should ask, you should phrase it like this next time and people understand kind of what your intentions are, you know? Um, yeah, it sounds like there's almost like uh, like like a, maybe like protocols an etiquette. and also yeah. like etiquette. There, yeah. and, there's and a little bit of a script that you follow to some degree. Like if you were going to get on and just look for anyone out there, um, if you're searching like over, a, 
like particularly on HF, if you're just looking for anyone, anyone like if any contact is fine, you'd say CQ, which is like I'm looking for someone to talk to. On a local repeater, though, you can typically just get on and, and say your call sign. Like I would say KD9EBU on mobile. I just say that much. It just lets anybody who's out there just scanning or listening quietly in the background goes, oh, that guy's on a mobile radio. He's on his vehicle driving around. He's going to want to chat for a couple of minutes. And then they would chime in with their, they would say my call sign, then their call sign back. You know, hey, I hear you. How's it going? What are you up to today? And we would just start a casual conversation that way. Huh. And then you just say your call sign once every 10 minutes or so. Um, and that's that's basically all there is to it. That was going to be, that was the second part of my question. Like if you could like, ins- which you just did, like kind of demonstrate that introduction. Mm-hmm. Now, would that be, um, like let's say you were having some sort of emergency. Maybe mm-hmm. it was like, your call sign on mobile, and then would you follow that with like uh, somebody shooting at me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or just uh, yeah. you know just ran, just ran off yeah. the road, mile marker, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a system or a script, essentially like a a phrase for that as well. You would say priority three times or emergency three times. Okay, so you would I'd say KD nine EBU emergency emergency emergency, and whatever is going on on that repeater, like courtesy is like it would stop and they'd pay attention to me. What do you need? Where are you? Like what's going on? Um, it's good to know as well, there's certain, prote- I don't know if they're protections or provisions, but even if you're unlicensed, the FCC has said, if it comes down to life and death, protecting your life or your property, you can use this radio however you see fit. Okay. In whatever way you, well, you can, nice. yeah, whatever you need to get your message out there to get help. If your truck's overturned in a ditch in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and you need help and your cell phone got busted, use the radio. You don't need a call sign. Use it to protect your life. That's totally okay. Yeah. They're not going to fine you or slap you on the wrist for that because you need help. So in that regard, it's a great idea to have a radio for an emergency. I would encourage everyone to study, watch YouTube videos, yeah. you know, study for your test and get that because it's just it opens up a world of possibilities and, and, and learning. But even if you don't, you can still fall back on this in emergency. It's a great tool to have at your disposal. Yeah. It well, seems so much faster too, though, like for a lot of applications, like you said, if, if your person's like, well, I got a cell phone, I call, well, number one, you know, you might not have service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, number f- two, like fly out of your center console and, uh, you know, it's behind you now you can't reach it. Yeah. Or, and also like, let's say we're in a group or I want to, like, you're reaching all three people at once. Not like, well, I better call so-and-so now and let them know what's up. It's like, you know, if you have the range, I guess, and you have all three people on the same you know, comm channel, you can, yeah. everybody's updated at the same time. And that's exactly what you're talking about with like, you know, emergencies or, you know, whatever. Like it just, yeah, it makes so much sense. I, I, I would say this too. Be aware, like learn your radio and understand its capabilities. Get out there and practice whenever you can. Um, if I was in the middle of nowhere in suburbia, I can get maybe one and a half miles with this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can get about four with this thing. Right. Okay. Uh, a big question I get in my DMs on Instagram all the time is like, Hey, how far can this Balfunk transmit? Like, can I talk to my mother 20 miles away in another town? I'm like, that's just not possible. Like, it's, it's not realistic. You're not going to be able to get that far. Like, well, well, how can I get more more transmitting range? I'm like, it really, for UHF and VHF, it's considered line of sight, right? Um, as far as you can see, that's generally how far the, the signal can go. And elevation is your friend. If I'm downtown in Dallas and I'm, tr- I'm on the ground floor trying to talk to my wife, you know, 18 miles north, I'm not going to be able to hit it to get to her with just this, right? Yeah. If I'm on the 18th floor, I might be able to get her directly, like what we call simplex, radio to radio, direct line of sight. What we would have to do with our family emergency plan is say, okay, I work here, I live here. Here's a repeater in the middle. If something's going down, get on this repeater and monitor, you know, for five minutes every hour. 
and see if you hear me, right? Yeah. And that repeater, which is essentially a relay system, is going to get me in contact over much longer distances. That's how a lot of these ham clubs okay. function. They, they Your radio hits that, it then exactly. bangs it out again. Now, when yep. it hits it out again, it's got a much bigger range probably than yep. your just handheld walking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be significantly greater. So they're typically okay. up on tall office buildings. Um, a lot of businesses or like city governments will allow hams to build repeaters like without charging them rent because it's a good civil service, like it's a good safety tool for the community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just using a radio alone, like you really do need to use repeaters to get your signal out there okay. and to meet more people. How do it's, you, f- how do you find where a repeater is? It's a great question. Um, repeater book is a good one. You plug in your zip code and it sorts by distance from you. Okay. Um, radio reference is another one. You can look at everything in the County. Um, radio reference will also have things like what's your local department or your fire department or the EMS channel. Um, Sadly, uh, most city departments are moving away from analog and getting into P25, which is a trunked type of, of system, um, which we can talk about in a minute. But in Dallas, we're, I'm lucky we still have analog radio. So I can scan police radios I'm driving. I can hear like, oh, there was a robbery at the Burger King, you know, X number of miles away. I can avoid that area, right? Yeah. Um, most departments are now digital, so you, you can't really just, just scan. I, I think it's a great piece of information to keep the public safe like i wish more people could listen to that um that you have to kind of buy the right scanner that does p25 stuff and you kind of have to invest a little bit of money to be able to have that situational awareness these days um but but yeah an analog radio is going to be great for for a lot of people man it, it those repeaters it's kind of wacky just how radios work because my mind is so wrapped around cell phones and stuff because a cell phone tower gets overrun by lots of communication but a, a repeater somehow even if there's an emergency going on it's just well you a, could have a lot of people trying to talk at once and then you get crosstalk and it gets a little bit chaotic okay. but you know you just want to be it's, it's good etiquette right get in get your message out there hey this is kd9ebu i'm safe i'm alive i'm making my way home see you in a bit that's it like if your wife hears that message, then you're good. Okay, Free up and that. you're just and you just have to be fine with the fact that everybody else hears that yeah. too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's just part of the you know it's the nature of the the platform, right? It's it's designed to be open so that everybody can communicate and talk and learn the hobby together. Um, if you do need something more private, that's when we get into like P25 and DMR and that kind of stuff as well, which mm-hmm. we can we can touch on. If there is too much chatter, though, you can switch. Say like you know, say your call sign switching to yeah a different yep. channel, right? In fact, it's it's courteous, right? If you're hanging out with someone on the repeater and you're chatting up for a while, you'd say, hey, let's shift over to this frequency just so that we don't hog the repeater all day. Sometimes there'll be like a little timeout buzz that you get, like, hey, you've been transmitting for two minutes straight, you know, take a break and say your call sign. There might be someone else trying to jump in and we want to give them courtesy of, of talking as well. Wow. Um Man, what an interesting world, and it's just all happening, and you don't even realize it necessarily. Yeah. What's up? So the P twenty fives. Yep. Yeah. What's the? I guess what's the um, the rationale for moving to that? And then it sounds like it's a completely diff. I guess maybe same purpose, but different functionality. Or yeah, great question. Um, this is not my area of expertise, but I can give you enough keywords. You got like listeners at home can go and start researching this or ask some questions. Um, I've got some guys that I usually refer people to if they need to, you know, if they want to reserve a frequency on the business band and get some handheld radios that their business or their team or tactical or otherwise can, can use privately. Um, the, the, the value, I guess, or the reason most departments are going to P25, it's, it's, um, you know, you're, 
it was designed for interoper interoperability, essentially, right? You can have a Kenwood radio, you can have a Motorola radio. They're going to use a standardized system of encryption and trunked, uh, of trunked communications, right? Where the fire department and the police department and anybody else, despite what hardware they have, can all communicate effectively together on one similar on one unified platform, mm -hmm. right? Um, what that means is, you c it frees up frequencies, so you c you could have six patrol officers, you know, using the same frequency, and they have a digital ID, so you know who's talking, and um, it's 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 a great way to have talk groups and send private communications using a digital form of communication over an analog you know, wave essentially, um, is probably my poor way of explaining it. But, um, but it just means that analog radios, they can't do that, right? P25 is a, is a separate, you know, system. It's, it's not analog at all. Um, a similar one is, is DMR. Um, again, DMR is not my forte, so I, I will just say what I know, but, um, the, the experts that I talk to about DMR, um, typically encourage people to start with radio fundamentals first, and then graduate into DMR uh, at a later point. But, you know, the, the big advantage is it's going to be truly encrypted and truly private, right? Hmm. Um, a lot of people confuse what we call tones on these radios with, with encryption. It, it's really not that. What you can do is, and I'll, I'll explain what a tone is, if you have a repeater on a frequency, you will set what we call a PL tone. Maybe it's, you know, 142.3. I'm just making that up. To access that repeater, you'd have to put in the PL tone so the repeater knows you're purposely trying to open the squelch and, and, and connect with that repeater, right? It just filters out unintended traffic, right? If we were going to use MERS Channel 3, you and I on a hog hunt, mm -hmm. we could set the same tone so that only you and I would be listening to each other. It doesn't make it private. It just filters out anything else that doesn't use that tone. And when you key up uh, your push to talk, there would be a sub-audible tone that tells the other radio, hey, this is traffic intended for you. You're using the same tone. Let's play this audio so this guy can hear it. So um, if somebody else knew that tone, they could then listen into you. That's how it's not private. Well, that's the thing. You can scan for a PL tone very easily. Okay. So, you know, if you wanted to get in and listen and, and talk and interrupt someone, you could, in theory, if you were trying to be malicious, you could search for their PL tone and, just, and talk to them and interrupt, right? Hmm. So it's not encrypted. It's not private. It's just a filtering tool. And I think sometimes it's misleading when people say it's a privacy tone. It's like, well, it's more of a convenience tone. It just focuses who you're listening to and who can, you know, talk back to you. Um, if you are looking for encryption, again, it's not my, my, my area of expertise, but, you know, P25 and, and DMR is definitely something you want to be looking into. Get yourself, uh, you know, a slot on the business bands. LMR, Land Mobile Radio Service, is like where businesses, organizations can get their own private frequencies. And then, you know, the sky's the limit after that. Yeah. Um, if that's something that interests you, um, there's some guys on Instagram you should reach out to, um, BSH comms, Bish comms. He's great. Anarcho bacon, um, comms and logistics, um, terminal armament. Um, he's a, a big DMR guy. He does some really cool stuff with like, um, software defined radio, which is, you know, essentially a little thumb drive you can plug in with an antenna and you can, you know, you get a waterfall chart and you can see the, the spectrum in front of you. It's, it's great for scanning, right? It's, it's really cool stuff. And it's not very expensive. It's very, you know, cost-effective uh, technology. Um, and then my friends, uh, Mojave Repeater out in, in Vegas, um, they're Marines. They teach classes on, like, radio fundamentals. You go out in the field with them and, and have a class, which is really cool. And um, a lot of those guys do businessman stuff. I don't, but those would be the guys to talk to. Yeah. Um, the Repeater thing, it's got, it's like, it's a, I can't, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. No, I don't mean to belabor the point, but, like, 
So there might be one repeater. One repeater at the top of a building has one frequency that it sort of, if you're on that frequency, you're, you're pinging that repeater, right? How many are there usually in like a given, like you're in Dallas, are there just like a, just a buttload of repeaters everywhere, just like all kinds, or is there only a couple or? Yeah, it's a great question. It depends on the city. Um, I've never seen more repeaters in my life than in downtown Manhattan. There's oh. more than I can fit on. I've, there's like 125 something memory slots on these. There's more I can fit in there in just a little 10, 15 mile radius. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Okay. In Dallas, we have a lot. Um, I'd say there's probably 20 repeaters close to me in Dallas. Yeah. Um, which means there's always something, always somebody talking, always something to listen to. Um, when you get out in like rural areas, obviously it's going to drop significantly. Right. Um, when I help people program their radios, um, I always search their area and see which ava- see what's available. And, you know, I usually check 50 miles. If there's not a lot there, I go to 75. And very rarely can you not pull, you know, 30 to 50 repeaters in like a 50 mile radius. Okay. So there's there's a lot of them out there. So you don't that, even realize. Okay, got it. Because I was wondering if there's only a couple and, you know, then obviously that's a ton of traffic. And if you're trying to do, well, then the, uh, the PL tone too is, you know, so like you can be on, we're going to be on this repeater and with that repeater, we're going to have our own PL tone within that. Is that how that works? Or not I mess not that quite. Up? So the repeater will, det- will define its own PL tone and you have to use that tone if you want to access that repeater. Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's the way a repeater works is essentially it's, it's two frequencies, incoming and outgoing. And one will be a little bit higher than the other. So it'll listen for a, a incoming uh, signal it will then shift, the repeater shifts up and spits that back out to everybody else listening. So what happens when you, you key up your radio is it will transmit at a certain frequency and then it will jump back to a little higher frequency to listen, just so that you're not transmitting back and forth on, a, on the same frequency exactly. It's just oh. more efficient that way. Okay. Yeah. And then how, like you've got your radio, how are you sorting out I guess what frequency that repeater is. Does your radio like have a scan feature and it goes boom and it just locks on, mm-hmm. or do you have to know like, oh, I know this repeater is X frequency? Like, what's going on there? You can definitely scan, but that takes a very long time. Um, I don't have the patience to program in repeaters manually. Mm-hmm. Um, go online, go to Google, find out like you can find your local ham club and see what their frequency is. Yeah. The best one, like I said, is Repeater Book because it'll give you a big list. It'll have the frequency that you should plug in on your keypad. It'll have the PL tone you need to set. Okay. Um, and then after that, you can, you know, in, in theory, start transmitting immediately, you know, with your, your call sign. So I typically, you know, you can find lists of those. Um, there's software where you can import it or enter it manually line by line. Um, definitely, definitely program your radio. Have channels in there you can scan through. Because if you really need help, scanning through the entire band is going to take forever. Right. And you want to have specific places you can go, you know, cycling through quickly where you can catch a transmission when it's happening and not miss it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I imagine if you're traveling too and you have a need for comms, then yeah. that's like pre-work. Like I, you know, I can, you can equate anything to cars, Jim. I'll do the same thing for hunting, but it's yeah. like if I'm going to go hunt X state, I'm going to get on, you know, Google Earth. I'm going to use my digital mapping software, whatever. And like do my pre work on the front end to sort that out. Like, is that something you would do? Like, you're like, yep. yeah, I'm gonna figure out what codes or whatever the. It's it's funny you bring that up because we, my wife and I, we took the kids up to New York to visit my sister uh, late last year. I actually programmed this radio for New York, and it's still programmed to NYPD on here. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> changed it back yet. But um, 
what I did beforehand was I said, all right, we're going to drive, you know, from Texas all the way to New York. We're going to go through Arkansas and Tennessee and kind of curve up this way. Like, what is there anything along the way I should be checking into? I honestly, the entire trip, like for the full two days of driving, I left it on calling channels. There's um, each band has two meters and 70 centimeters has a call channel, which is simplex. And it's just, hey, is anybody around me? Mm. And what you can do is just leave that on throughout the day. And occasionally I'll hear this. Someone will be passing through Dallas on their way to Lubbock or wherever else. They'll be like, hey, this is so-and-so. They'll set their call sign. I'm just on the highway on 35 East, you know, heading up this direction. Anybody around? And some local ham will chime in. Hey, you know, glad to see you're just passing through. How's the weather? You know, you need anything? And they'll just kind of make random contacts along the way using this unified, you know, a, a calling channel is basically what it's called. And if you're looking for just anyone near you, like in the vicinity, it's a great place to start. And then from there, you know, you shift over to a repeater or somewhere mm -hmm. else to continue the conversation. So yeah. there's national go-to places where everybody can kind of meet up on a unified frequency. Okay. Is there any way that via, you know, bouncing around from repeater to repeater, if you like get it just right with the frequencies or something that you could be somewhere, I, well, I don't know, here and talk to your wife via a radio? Or are you going to have to get something a little bit more complicated than what you just have here on the table to do that? That's a great question. I get it a lot. Um, there are a lot of limitations with just a handheld radio, right? Even if you were going to build a bigger rig and like put an antenna on your roof at like 50 to 100 watts. Um, yeah, 2 meters and 70 centimeters is just not going to get you city to city or like state to state, right? It's not yeah. really going to have that kind of coverage. Um, if you got onto like the 10 meter band or HF, yeah, you could start doing that, but you would really need to tune your setup for that specific purpose. You know, you need to get the right antenna, very large antenna, typically with a long counterpoise. Um, the atmospheric conditions are important. Mm. Um, my goal actually, I have not done this yet. My father-in-law, like I said, got me into radios, but I would love to take my HF rig and talk to him in California. That's like my goal this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to achieve that, but it depends on a lot of things. Like, um, what's the solar conductivity today, right? There's like, um, the, the state of the ionosphere, the conditions for that day really affect how far you can transmit, hmm. right? If the band is open or closed is, is what they call it. If it's closed, you're not going to be able to talk very far. If it's open and it's hot, you're going to hear a lot of traffic on that band, people talking internationally. Um, so if you wanted to talk to a family member a really long way away, directly, like not relying on the internet, there's there's a, a, a tool called Echolink where repeaters connect to the web. So like our local repeater in Richardson in Texas can connect to someone in, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, and we can chat that weekend. And that's great until the internet goes down. Right. It oh, doesn't doesn't yeah. really help you in an emergency. It kind of, yeah. yeah. It's, it's fun as like a social connectivity thing. Like you just meet hams around the place and make some contact, which is fine. But that the biggest downfall I think is just the dependence on the internet. So if you really are getting serious about it, look into HF. Um, you are going to need to invest a lot of time, money, resources, really get smart. It's not easy to do. If it was easy, we'd be using those instead of cell phones, right? <laughs> um, but it can be done Okay. Um, with the right planning and the right you know, uh, plan of attack. Okay. You've mentioned the antennas a couple times now, and obviously the, the, the radios that you have on the table have different antennas. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard, this is when I was talking to Mike for five minutes before I came up. Yeah. And, and he suggested this. I'd be curious to get your take on it. He said that uh, if all else were similar, or maybe even if you were comparing a slightly less powerful radio to a slightly more powerful radio, whichever one has the better antenna will actually perform better. 
Like yes, it basically I would not place your prefer- place your precedence on the antenna more so than like getting some big beefcake of a of a radio with like this massive power or something like that. I, yeah, I, I would say for the most part, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's kind of like buying a performance vehicle, but you cheap out on the tires. Yeah, you're like all that horsepower is just not meeting the road. You're you're wasting it essentially. Uh, the big important factor for antennas um, is something called resonance. Um, if you have a seventy centimeter wave and you build a 70-centimeter antenna, roughly speaking, that electromagnetic wave is going to be able to resonate and leave the antenna with ease, right? Um, We'll talk about SWR in a minute, what that means, but essentially you need to tune an antenna for that frequency. If it's not tuned, what's going to happen is it's not going to resonate. You're going to get a lot of loss through heat, usually. Um, Your effective range is going to be decreased significantly, and what can actually happen, it's called a standing wave ratio, where you transmit, it doesn't leave the antenna effectively, and it actually goes back down into the transceiver and can damage your equipment. So oh. there, are, there are cheap tools you can buy. Um, for handheld radios like this, I would not be that concerned. You're buying a purpose-built antenna for that, that application. You're, you don't have to test it. You can if you're curious, but you're not going to... With a good quality antenna from SignalStick or Nagoya or any reputable brand, Comet, Diamond, they make good antennas as well, um, you really shouldn't be all that worried about it because they're going to be tuned from the factory. But... If you're making your own antenna, you know, get your meter out, check what your SWR, what your ratio is. Um, a 1.1 is great. A 2 or higher, you might, you know, you're going to start having some issues. But to your point, you can buy a really powerful 15 watt radio, and if your factory antenna is garbage, you're you're effectively not getting anywhere close to that power output because most of it's being lost. Sure. Because of the poor antenna. So okay. guys will say, well, this is five watts. I want the eight watt radio. I'm like, well, if you don't change the antenna, you're still only getting like six watts. You're not going to get that full eight watts because it's just it's being lost. Good to know. You've mentioned the ionosphere a couple times. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> um, it's it's part of the atmosphere where there's a lot of. Uh, um, what's what's the best simplest definition here? Let me go to ions. <laughs> sphere. <laughs> Spheres. Anyway, the the ionosphere is essentially a part of the atmosphere that will reflect certain waves and certain wavelengths. Okay. okay. A little short wave like this, like 70 centimeters, is small enough to penetrate the ionosphere and just kind of go off and get lost. Um, but if you want to, what we call, you know, propagate a, a, an HF wave, you look for the right atmospheric conditions where the ionosphere is just right. Sometimes like sunrise, sunset, different times of the day can have different properties. When the sun is up, it can change as well. Hmm. That's going to determine how effective you are, you know, making a contact in Japan or, or Europe or something like that. And is that something you can check to? It's almost like checking a mm-hmm. different type of weather exactly. to find out if yep. it's good for... Yep. There's websites that will give you all the atmospheric conditions for the day as they currently are. It'll tell you which bands are open or closed based on their, you know, fl- the likelihood of success or how, you know, active they are. Um, and you would just check those. If you're really getting to HF, you know, you, you kind of... You have it can depend on the year too. Like if we have a bad solar year, maybe a whole band will be down for a long time, right? Every seven years, there's magnetic activity that affects the ionosphere. Um, and I think last year it was like it was pretty bad. I didn't hear a lot of people doing a lot of work on HF, but you kind of wait for the solar cycle to come through, and the properties of the ionosphere will change, and you'll have more success on HF um, depending on the day, the time, the season, all that kind of stuff. The activity of the sun, it all it all plays a role. What a strange technology that we've just taken for granted now. Yes. And it just, it, there's so much that goes into it. Um, you know, one thing I'm curious about too is uh, 
So let's say you wanted to use a radio in some sort of emergency situation. Based on what you've described, I feel like eh, at least I have more of a handle on it than I did starting here. But like, you're driving along, maybe you didn't do your homework at first, and some emergency catastrophe occurs, right? And you're trying to communicate out. Well, what we've talked about is there's this huge spectrum of like, things that you can dial into your radio and people you can talk to and all this stuff. Like, where where would you start if you're just sort of like, you know, you know what hit the fan and I got to find someone to talk to, anybody to try and, like, find contact. Like, where do you start? Are you just going to kind of be like, tick and make one little thing? Hello? Tick? Hello? Tick? Like, yeah. how do you go about that? That's a good question. Uh, for me personally, um, I would just start scanning. You know, I would, I would, I've got, um, there are tools out there that will map repeaters based on Google Maps and it will show you their physical locations, which is great for finding that point between A and B where you can, you know, hit a repeater to talk to your wife, et cetera. Um, because I have all the channels in my city pre like pre-programmed, ready to go, I would just start scanning. Like who's talking about it? Who has eyes on the ground? Who's involved? Who's more directly, you know, who's present at that event? What are we learning? Mm-hmm. Um, I would be probably doing that in con- like amateur sa- uh, scanning in conjunction with emergency response channels, DPD, fire, EMS, that kind of stuff as well to see what they were hearing. Um, their radio reference is a website where you can look up some like government agency frequencies, um, which are totally fine and legal to listen to. Um, but there's certain, you know, some cities will have a frequency for emergency response or FEMA yeah. or other things like that that they activate, particularly in, in times of, of serious emergencies or catastrophes. Okay. And that'd be more for listening and getting information versus like Yeah, if, you if, you're, if you're not part of that emergency response team, don't interfere with that. I mean, um, don't be t- like, you know what I think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- definitely. Like, don't don't do that. Um, we talked about, you know, using the wrong band and getting a fine from the FCC and like, the, the generally the radio world would be pretty forgiving. Hey, you're not supposed to be here. Switch over to this channel. Like you're learning. We get it. You're not going to get a $10,000 fine off the bat, but interfering with like police radio or EMS or emergency response. Like that's a big no, no, like don't, don't do that. Don't go there. That's, you're going to have some serious problems if you get caught doing that. Yeah. I was on WebMD, and what they said to do was, uh, <laughs> what about, <laughs> what about, um, question I had. Yeah. You know, you talked about, at least the way I understand it, kind of like a transition for like, um, you know, fire, um, law enforcement things to that P25. Mm-hmm. If if that continues to move in that direction for people to get the information that they, you know, want or need now, like, is will that force other people to like eventually transition over to that as well over time? I mean, yeah, it is from what I've seen. I'm not a professional. I don't build those networks or manage uh-huh. those networks. Uh, I am seeing it growing in popularity. All of our city departments around Dallas, Garland, Richardson, Mesquite, they're all P25 mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a universal platform. Interoperability is, is key. You can bring any hardware in theory and get you know connected. Um, what it means is for you and I as just yeah. general prepared people, uh, we either have to buy a P25 radio and you know jump through a couple hoops and get it programmed um or there's a brand called uniden which makes p25 scanners um i've actually had one on my list for a long time i keep meaning to buy one i just keep putting it off but it's called a the the uniden home defender 2 it's a small little unit 
you connect it to your Wi-Fi, it knows exactly where you are. It plugs in all the local departments, fire, EMS, police, and it will just scan for you. It's, it's very simple to use. Anybody can do it. And it's just, it's good to know what's going on around you, right? I'm a dad. I, you know, want to keep my family safe. I want to know what's going on in my city and my community. Um, and, you know, police, fire, EMS, you know, they're, they're serving the public, protecting the public. You know, it helps if the public knows what's going on, right? And we can avoid certain areas or, you know, assist in some way if, if you know, if we really need to. So yeah. I think you should be listening. I think you should be able to listen to it easily. Unfortunately, you do have to pay a couple hundred bucks for a P25 scanner to do so. But, you know, if, if you really want to be aware, situationally aware, it's a good investment. Hmm. Okay. My, uh, one, it, this is switching gears here a little bit, but I was curious about, you know, these are, we're talking, we're looking at handheld radios here. Um, just kind of speaking to the application, whether it's on, like you have talked about some kind of hog hunt or it's a tactical application or something like that. A lot of people will start getting into where they have the radio stashed on their chest rig or whatever it is somewhere in a backpack. And then they've got the push to talk and, you know, a headset on and stuff like that. And, I remember the guys down at Edge were talking about trying to get some of that stuff going because sometimes they're on different ranges and they need to be able to communicate, but they're instructors, so they're very hands-on. And they were like, yeah, well, headsets. And then they're like, yeah, you got to get these cables, and the cables are ungodly expensive. Um, you know, and you got to get the right push-to-talk. If you don't get the right push-to-talk, it sucks. I, I, it just, it, I, suddenly I was in awe of how complicated it is to start adding in things. It, it can be. I think it's more difficult than it needs to be. They're also a little high maintenance. <laughs> they're they're they great can, guys. They I had a, I had a blast in there yesterday. It's they're they're awesome. <laughs> I love those guys. Um, yeah, generally speaking, um, let's start from kind of the top and work our way down. Right, the headset. Um, that's the biggest thing to get right off the bat. Um, I've had a lot of ear, you know, brands of ear pro in the past. Anything from you know your $30 Howard lights that are, you know, on the cheap end up to, you know, Opscore amps, which are really nice and have great audio quality. Um, and if you start with a good platform, typically Opscore amps or Peltor Comtax, one of those two, they're not cheap, you know, even on the used side of things, Comtax are going to be about 400 bucks. That's a lot for EarPro for a yeah. lot of people. And I get that. Um, but you're going to have quality, durability, connectivity that's way simpler than almost any other platform trying to convert cheaper Howard lights to have a, mic a boom mic and be connected through a little 3.5 millimeter jack, it's, it gets fussy. Like, it's pretty complicated. It's, it's, it's more difficult than it should be. Um, so definitely get some good ear pro, especially if you're using night vision, you have a helmet. Even if you don't, just a headband is fine as well. Get, a, get amps or contacts. Um, the microphone is important. Um, they both have dynamic mics, which is very easy to connect to a standard push to talk. Um, I had some MSA Sordans in the past that I bought a mic conversion kit for, and it had an electric mic, not a dynamic mic, and the push to talk didn't play nicely with it, and it wouldn't work, and I had to switch out a bunch of components, and I paid way more than I should have trying to make it work than if I just bought amps or contacts right from the get-go. Hmm. So invest in good quality gear, save up a little bit if you need to, buy the contacts, buy the, the amps. They're well worth the money. And then from there, um, you know, you'll, you'll have a down lead, which typically has what we call a TP120 or a U174. It looks like a big fat headphone plug. It's mm, like got yeah. squished and fat and wide. Um, and that will go into a good quality push to talk. There's two brands. I use one from Disco32. Um, I know JCI comms in the UK um, also makes one over and for that market over there. Um, any amplified push to talk you can get should work, right? 
buy a good quality push to talk, one that's wired and soldered properly, is waterproof and durable, etc. And this is more than just a button then? It like is. To just, I always yeah. thought it was basically just an extension of this button on the side that let you talk. Yes and no. So civilian radios are going to need some amplification. Without an amplified push to talk, they're going to sound really quiet in your headset, almost oh. to the point of being unusable, oh, right? Okay. Um, milita- I'm not military, never have been, but you know, military radios use a six pin. The the um, PRC 152 is very common. Um, they don't need an amplified push to talk, from what I've been told, right? So if you buy some like surplus Comtacs that have a six pin connector, you're going to have to get some adapters. You're going to have to jump through some hoops. It's easier if you're using a civilian radio, whether it's you know, a, a Kenwood or an Icom or a Yesu, those are all good brands you should be looking at if you're trying to buy a handheld radio. Um, if you want to, considering this is more of a tactical application, definitely look at Mo- Motorola. Um, they have radios that are actually built for duty use or, you know, right. they have combat radios that are ready for hard use and are not going to, you know, flash or make sounds or you know, give you away in a, in a tactical environment, right, when you're trying to stay hidden. Um, so get a good headset with a dynamic microphone, an amplified push to talk, which will then plug into your, your, your radio. Antennas are an interesting part of that application. Typically, if you have a helmet on, like if I'm hunting in a group, like I only hunt with people that I'm, I'm, I feel confident around, people that are very, very safe. If you're wearing a plate carrier with, you know, level three, level four plates, just as some insurance, right? If you're at a range day or something like shooting steel, it's cheap insurance to have plates. I think there's, that's a, a good application for those as, as a civilian, right? You should have some. Um, you're going to have a plate carrier. You can actually get woven antennas, which will weave through the webbing or the molly around your plate carrier. So you don't have this whip like flicking you in the face the whole time or sticking up unnecessarily. Um, there's a couple of brands that I've used that I really like. Um, Cattail make a really great woven antenna. Um, you can look them up online. It's, I think it's called the RTO. Um, Disco 32 also have a VMOS, which is a similar uh, application. Now, when you're weaving an antenna around your body, it's not going to have the greatest um, performance. It's not going to be like a long range. Ant- like you could maybe hang it in a tree, like unweave it and hang it up somewhere, and it'd be great. But just notice, know that there are sacrifices you're going to make weaving an antenna through your body it's not going to be the most efficient right antennas you know need to be well grounded and there's certain properties that help that antenna to perform better Hmm. is there an option if you were going to go that route that you know like i mean obviously you've got equipment maybe you have a pack with you that you carry like an additional antenna that can enhance that system yeah i mean you absolutely could um for most people if i'm in a hunting group I'm going to have more than enough capability to communicate, you know, where I need to go. I'm not going to be able to communicate like 10 or 15 miles, maybe with my equipment, just speaking personally, if the antenna is woven around my body, but closer range line of sight, uh, it's going to be more than enough. Just know that it's not the optimal place to put an antenna to weave it through something around being close to your body. Um, What's interesting about whips is as you hold a handheld radio, um, you're actually grounding that antenna and your body becomes essentially a counterpoise. Oh. Yeah, so antennas work really, really well when they're grounded, um, just like an electrical ground, right? So as you hold it, you're actually helping that antenna to resonate properly. It's intended to be held in your hand and use your body as that that counterpoise. You can do an experiment sometimes with a small antenna like this. I do this when I'm driving sometimes. The frame of your car will kind of be like a bit of a Faraday cage sometimes. It's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Get your antenna outside if at all possible, but you can put your radio like on your thigh and the, the, the 
your thigh essentially grounds the radio and you'll notice you can receive more frequencies with a small antenna just by touching it on your body. It's kind of cool. Wow. It's fun to experiment with. What a bizarre technology. Yeah. So when we're doing HF, if I want to talk to someone a really long way away, I'd set up my big old antenna. I'd measure it out so it was the right wavelength. Then I would get a wire, a counterpoise essentially, that would balance the antenna or ground the antenna. Yeah. And at a certain length, it would be tuned optimally for that frequency. On two meters and seventy centimeters, it, there's a you know there's a bit of a fudge factor. It doesn't have to be an exact science because it's typically you know closer range communications. But yeah, just holding it actually makes that antenna do its job. Wow. The uh, the local sheriff's department was testing out some of these interesting. Um, oh, I don't even know if you call them headsets, but they were. It was like these things that went. It was a cord. It came up and then it went in their ear, and it was the bone. Their, it was their ear pro. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and it would use the vibration from their like skull to pick up what they were saying very very accurate sounding when you would listen to them and then it was also hearing protection and it would transmit then what they were getting receiving messages and stuff i mean and it was just minuscule they didn't have these big muffs on they just had like little things in their ears I, I've seen the bone earpiece, I think is the brand you're talking about. It, yeah, it might be. I, I have friends who are in like VIP protection, like personal protection. That be world. a little more discreet. Yeah, and they want to be low profile. You know, they've got a, a slick plate carrier on, maybe some softer plates so they can hide under clothes. And it's it's very hard to detect. Usually it's molded to your ear. It's clear. It's a tiny little cable that runs down under your shirt. Um, yeah, there's like the world is your oyster. There's as many types of radios and applications in the radio world as there are in the gun world, right? Do you want yeah. to be a long-range shooter? Do you want to like painstakingly trim your cases and spend hours in the reload room looking at your standard deviation, like getting your perfect load? Do you want to be a competition pistol guy and shoot fast at 15 yards? Do you want to be a collector of historic firearms? Do you want to shoot night vision? Whatever kind of interests you, emergency, tactical, everything in between, there's probably something that could, you know you can get excited about and get into. Man, that's cool. It is a whole other world. We got to stop doing these, Mark, because I keep having to buy things. <laughs> well, you buy things, then, you know, you think you're, and maybe it's kind of a, somewhat of an ostrich mentality, right? But it's just like, oh, you know, and like, yeah, I, you know, man, I probably should carry a pistol every day. Oh, I probably should carry an IFAC kit, you know? I probably should have a radio. Um, <laughs> ostrich I, I mentality should, is I, in, if you just stick your head in the ground, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can see me. I can't see them. Yeah, you know, or, or you know, a plate carrier, you yeah. know, or, you know, oh, I probably should have a bug out kit, or I probably should have more water in my base. Like, yeah. yeah. You don't want, you don't want to like, it's like people, you know, some people might be like, oh, you know, that's, you know, conspiracy, or you can't live in fear, but you should also be prepared. I think I people know. used to say that, Mark. And then after the last two years, everybody, you, you talk about like, oh, yeah, I know, we have uh, we got a bunch of food rations and stuff in the basement, and your friends are like, oh, where'd you get those? Yeah, I went, yeah, we're going to get that, too. It, yeah. yeah, you don't really get the eye yeah. roll as much anymore after the last couple of years we've had. At the end of the day, like, when people ask, like, why are you into radios? Like, it's just cool. It's fun. I it, think it's It's cool. interesting. It, you know, it keeps me studying and learning constantly, and, like, because I can. Like, why do I have night vision? Or why do I have a plate carrier or a suppressor? It's like... Because it's a free country and I can do whatever interests me and, you know, live my dream, right? That's really what it comes down to. Isn't that a wonderful Mm. thing? God bless America. Uh, Oh, should we end on that? Yeah, you didn't know (laughs) this was going to end that way, but uh, I like that. God bless America. Here's, so I'm going to add to it. I'm going to ruin it, Jim. But yes, God bless America, number one. Let's do that. But 
like we talked about with this, I mean, we're a little bit over an hour here, you know, comms 101, which, like I alluded to earlier, wasn't that 101 to me. There's a ton to it. I think there's a ton left. I feel like we scratched the the comms surface today. We didn't get into, you know, even like, uh, I guess, the more advanced things or like you, you started talking about helmet comms and things like that. I feel like we just barely got into that. So if you're out there and we scratched the surface of your comms itch, let us know and we might dive even deeper into the comms world. Yeah. That could very well be a follow-up. So uh, light up those comments. And God bless America. <laughs> Again. Thank you for joining us. My yeah. pleasure. Truly enlightening. So it was it's cool, great. man. Appreciate oh, sure having and me. you're on Instagram and yeah, stuff. People yeah, can find oh, you, right? Yep. What's yeah, where, that? Where do people find you? Yeah, so primarily on Instagram, uh, my handle is Agans, A-G-A-N-Z, with two underscores. Um, I get DMs all the time about radio questions. Um, I have a website, agansstore.com, where I have a blog and resources and how-tos. Um, occasionally, you know, have radios and, you know, other things, stickers for sale and stuff like that. Um, but that's, yeah, those two points of contact. That's where people can find me. Check them out. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Thanks again. No worries. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, y'all. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.